0: Uh, Church, go ahead and uh, find your way to 2 Peter. Uh, You might say, but Michael, I thought we were done with Peter, and uh, I guess maybe I just got to a point where I thought, man, I kind of like this guy Peter, and we'll hang out with him a little bit more. Uh, We did finish uh, our study through the book of 1 Peter last Sunday during this Advent season. Uh, However, we are going to go to the end of... His second letter, 2 Peter chapter 3, and uh, we are going to allow uh, God's word uh, written through the man Peter to help uh, direct our hearts and remind us what we're waiting for. Uh, we are here in the middle in the season of Advent. And certainly, Advent has a way of emphasizing the practice of waiting. You've probably already noticed that's been a theme of the service up to this point. I would say, though, that for many of us, uh, waiting is hard, right? How many of you, by a show of hands, would say, yeah, I get it, right? Waiting is really, really hard. In fact, some of you are even right now thinking, how long is he going to preach for, right? Right? because we we tend to be impatient people, uh, we tend to be people who are often in a hurry and we're ready to move on to that next exciting attraction. I was even thinking, right, my family has Amazon prime and uh man, oh man, right you you have the option when it says, right, delivery service, right? When do you want to receive this package, right? Year, yeah, years ago, we would have waited six to eight weeks. Wasn't that kind of the expected time when we order something? Six to eight weeks, it'll come in. But now it can be six to eight hours, and it gives me these options like, do I want to eliminate some trips on the Amazon delivery guys and, and wait another day? I'm <laughs> like, no, I want it tomorrow, you know, right? And this is, these are our hearts, aren't, aren't they? Uh, we are impatient people for the christian however awaiting is a necessary practice an advent is the season when we are reminded of the need to wait we're reminded of the need to wait and to watch as the birth of the christ child Uh, fulfilled the waiting for some, right, on Christmas. That's what we celebrate. We celebrate Jesus' birth, God, in human flesh, right, takes on human flesh, comes and dwells among us, born of a virgin there in that cradle, in that manger, nearly 2,000 years, over 2,000 years ago. We celebrate his first coming, and that was the completion, that was the fulfillment of a long period of waiting Up to that point, but we as believers living on this side of that first Christmas, we are still waiting. We're still waiting. And some of you might say, well, what is it exactly that we're waiting for? Well, as Christians, as believers in Christ Jesus, we are waiting for his soon return. And during this month of December, as we lead up to Christmas Day, our Christmas celebration, uh, we're going to spend some time talking about uh, waiting for Christ's return. And we're going to look here at 2 Peter chapter 3, where Peter gives us some instruction in that regard, and then, so we'll do that today, and next Sunday, and then uh, the Sunday following, and then that Christmas Eve, Sunday, December 24th, we'll look at the examples of waiting there in Scripture from Simeon and Anna there in Luke chapter 2. So that gives you a little bit of a direction of where we're going for those who are impatient and must know what we're preaching about next week. Um, And I say that in jest, uh, it gives you an opportunity to, to read ahead and to study But let's go ahead, shall we? And let's read, follow along with me in 2 Peter. Hopefully you've made your way there. If not, it is on page 1,735 in one of the chair Bibles there. But if you would, just go ahead and follow along with me, and I'll read this morning verses 1 uh, through 13. 1 through 13, and that's what we'll study. So follow along as I read from God's word. Peter wrote these words. He says, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. And I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. He says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own desires. And they're going to say, where is this coming that has been promised? And ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being. And the earth was formed out of the water, out of water and by water. And by these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Advent season instructs us to wait. But I find that knowing what I'm waiting for makes waiting a lot easier, doesn't it? Right? I I think of some of us who can hardly sit at a stoplight for three minutes and wait, and yet we will then drive ourselves to an amusement park where we will gladly stand and wait for an hour and a half for a ride that is no more than three minutes in length. But what's the difference? The difference is you are anticipating and you know what you're waiting for. You know what's on the other side of your waiting So those Old Testament believers, as Michael led us in singing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, they were waiting for the Christ child. They knew what they were waiting for. They didn't have a clear vision of it all, but they knew that there were promises that God had made to them, and they were certain of God's promises, and so therefore, they were waiting. And now, living on this side of the Christmas story, We are waiting, and Scripture gives us instruction in numerous places what we're waiting for. In fact, it's interesting. Biblical prophecy provides some of the greatest encouragement and some of the greatest hope to us in this time of waiting, right? I think we forget that Jesus' second coming is spoken of all throughout Scripture. In fact... Jesus' second coming is spoken of more than Jesus' first coming. Let me just give you a few stats for those of you who like numbers. I don't particularly like numbers, but I'll try to keep some of you happy. Here's some stats for you. There are 1,845 references to Jesus' second coming just in the Old Testament. That's 18. Now, believe me, I didn't go through and count all those, all right? There's resources that can tell you these things, right? But there's 1,845 references to Jesus, not his first coming, but his second coming, just in the Old Testament. There are 318 references to the second coming of Jesus in the New Testament, then. In fact, in the New Testament, one out of every 30 verses, all right, speak or somehow refer to, on average, Jesus' second coming. It could be said that for every prophecy in the Bible concerning Jesus' first coming in comparison to his second coming, one out of eight, all right, for, for every one prophecy that speaks of Jesus' First coming, listen to this, there are eight prophecies that speak of his second coming. Now let me ask you this, church, this week. How often did your mind think about Jesus' second coming? I think probably for a lot of us, it's not on the forefront of our minds. It's not something that we consider all that often but when you look at scripture when you look at at the authors of the old testament and the authors of the new testament as they're writing there's these letters they are saying you need to be paying attention you need to be no, you, you need to have knowledge of what you're waiting for this morning let me give you the big idea all right it, really this answers the question what are we waiting for here's here's the answer is that we are waiting for the fulfillment of jesus promised return so we join with the Old Testament believers and their waiting in that we're no longer waiting for his first coming, but we are still waiting, and we're waiting for his soon return. And This morning, we're going to look at the promise of God's word that Peter tells us here. There's a promise of God's word of Jesus' second coming. We'll see the promise of God's patience, and then we're also going to see that there's a promise of the day of the Lord. That Peter talks about so let's look first here all right as we as we answer this question what are we waiting for and as we see the answer is we're waiting for the fulfillment of Jesus return that's been promised to us let's look now at the promise of God's word we see it there in verses 1 through 7 follow along with me as I again read he says dear friends this is now my second letter to you right we've studied that first letter This is now my second letter to you. He says, I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. He says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They are going to say, Where is this coming that's been promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything just keeps going on and on and on and on as it has since the beginning of creation. It says, they be, but they deliberately are forgetting that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of the water by water. By these waters also the, wor- the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. And so what Peter is doing, see what was happening and Peter's concern is that these believers, these Christians, were, they were starting, their ears were starting to hear false teaching. These, the false teaching of these scoffers, and you see it there in verse 3. There were people who were, who were scoffing. They were essentially mocking the believers. And they're saying, come on now, right? When's this Jesus going to come again, right? Has, hasn't everything just continued to go on as it has been? So Peter is confronting them. And what is he saying? He's saying, when you're starting to doubt Jesus' return, he says, go back to the promise of God's word. There in verse 1, Peter's wanting to shake the the believers from their sleep. After a long period of waiting, it's easy to become complacent, frustrated, and sleepy-eyed, isn't it? What he's doing here is he he says there he says I have written both of them why to stimulate you to get your attention to awaken you to take action. Uh, Over the Thanksgiving holiday, my family uh, made a a long a bit of a road trip to celebrate Thanksgiving with some longtime friends, and uh, and so we spent a lot of time on the road. And sometimes when we're driving, what happens? Do you ever get sleepy? right? You ever get sleepy? I do. And, and does the car ever kind of start to veer off the side of the road? And one of my children made the observation uh, this time about those rumble strips, right? Those rumble, you know? And they said, what, what are those rumble? Well, they didn't call them strips, but they were like, what are those bumps for? What do those do? And I said, well, believe it or not, I said, those are very helpful. They're helpful to me, why? Why are they helpful? Because they wake you up, right? And, and so we talked about how, right, someone was a genius when they said, hey, let, let's make this machine that can dig these gro- That can make these grooves so that way as you just start to veer off and as you're getting a little bit sleepy and a little bit sleeper and all of a sudden, brrr, brrr, what happens, right? We wake up. And I think of this passage. This is what Peter is telling us. He is saying it's easy to grow tired at the wheel. It's easy to become sleepy in your walk with Jesus. It's easy to become complacent. And so Peter is highlighting, he's not giving them any new information here. That's not what Peter's doing. Peter, instead, he's just reminding them information that's already been revealed to them he's like those rumble strips he, because we know that we all need the constant reminders of what is true don't we we need that that's why it's so important for us to gather together every sunday as we set a time that sunday morning because like this is like rumble str- <laughs> rumble strips for christians here because w- sometimes right we go throughout the course of our week and we just forget about the lord And we grow complacent and we need to come together and we need to remind ourselves of these truths, of these promises. We need to look each other in the eyes and and hold each other accountable. We need to give each other hugs and comfort each other when we're we're walking this road of life. So he says, I want to stimulate you. I want to wake you up and remind you what is true. And Peter's awakening them so that they won't uh, fall prey to these false teachers. He want, he's wanting to protect them from false teachers. Right? One of the best defenses against false doctrine is to recall and consider the truths that we already know. Church, in other words, we don't need new or deeper truths. Right? We, don't, we don't need some sort of listen, new revelation. We've, God has already revealed himself to us in his word. Word. Instead, what we need is constant reminders. Church, that's why we participate in communion every Sunday. And even sometimes, right? Sometimes we can grow sleepy when we do that. And sometimes I, because I preach so long, right? It's like, okay, we got to get communion in. Right? But we do need these reminders, and so what, what's he saying? What, he's reminding them why? Because there's opposition. There's people who are saying Jesus is not going to return. That's there in verses 3 and 4. He's highlighting their opposi- oppositions. He's, there's, there's these pizza, teachers who are saying just abandon the ship, right? Just leave the faith. He's not coming back. What are you talking about? He's saying, Peter tells them that such mockers are full of pride. Their hearts are hard toward the Lord. And what does he do? He reminds them. He says, no, go back to God's word. And he said, in fact, remind yourself, how did all of this begin in the first place? God spoke it into being. Through the power of God's word, he spoke it into being. And even still, there's a certainty, right? It's it's through the power of God's word that, that all things are being held together, even to this day. That the power of God's word sustains us. It's the power of the word of God through Jesus Christ that salvation comes to us. So he's reminding them of all of these things. He's saying, no, listen, if, if God has promised it to us, it is sure and it will come about. So go back and remind yourself of those truths, of those things I think often of this verse from Jeremiah 6, verse 16. I think often of it, especially for our young people, where Jeremiah wrote, he said, stand by the way and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you shall find rest for your souls. Where Jeremiah looks at the young person and says, be careful of the voices and the influence that you allow into your heart. Be careful of those who claim to have a new revelation. Instead, Jeremiah says, go back to the Word of God and His promises. Go back to those well-worn, ancient paths and walk in that way. Church, I wonder maybe if we have fallen asleep to Christ's return because we are listening to the influences of this world Far too much. Right, we walk around with earbuds constantly. Speaking into our heads, we walk around with music. Playing from our radios. We walk around with our screens and the YouTubers speaking. Church, are those voices reminding you of what is right and true? Are they reminding you of the well-worn ancient paths? Are they reminding you to look forward to the one who is to come? Peter draws their attention. He takes it back to the promise of God's word. And then the next is this. as Again, as we answer that question, what are we waiting for? Right in the season of waiting... It's a long season of waiting. What are we waiting for? We're waiting for the return of Christ Jesus. We see the promise of God's word. We know that his return is certain because of the promise of God's word, but then also we see Peter identifies, he highlights the promise of God's patience. Verses eight and nine in church, I really, I want this to soak in. Man, do I want this to soak in. Verses eight and nine are very encouraging and helpful to those of us who find ourselves waiting. Look here. What Peter writes, he says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Now let me just stop right there. What Peter is saying is, is that right, our waiting is maybe a little bit misconstrued Because we don't understand the timeline like God understands the timeline, right? We look at waiting and we measure it in seconds and minutes and hours and short days. God looks on it with a much larger span. And that's where where Peter is reminding the people Right, that, that, let's face it, that when God says he has all the time in the world, that's exactly what God's mean, God means. That God does have all the time in the world. And there in verse 8, it shows us the timelessness of God. It shows us how our waiting tends to be a little bit off kilter when you understand God's approach to time. But now here then we see in verse 9. says that the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. As some understand slowness. Again, His word, right? There's that promise, that word promise. He's not slow in keeping His promise, right? Just because it doesn't operate on our timetable, on our schedule, doesn't mean that God has given up on His promises. Can you hear that, church? Right? We trust him. We trust the promise of his word. Here we're trusting the promise of his patience. And I want you, I want this church, this might be some of the most encouraging, one of the most encouraging verses that you have heard. It was, it's really encouraged me this week. That as those who wait, we should not be discouraged by this time of waiting. But instead we should see it as the fulfillment of God's desire to see many more people come to know Him. What does He say? Why why is why are we waiting so long? Why is it? Because we see God's love here, that God loves people, and He's giving them this span of time to, 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 to hear the gospel to receive the gospel, to believe in that gospel, and to turn their life around and to surrender to him, right? As much as we may find ourselves wanting Christ to return, right? I want Jesus to return, but at the same time, I don't want him to return because there are people I know who haven't trusted him, right? That's, That's that difficult balance here. As as believers, we pray, come Lord Jesus, but Jesus, don't come quite yet. And as much as we we find ourselves wanting Christ to return, we should also find ourselves taking full advantage of this season of God's grace and mercy. And you might be sitting here today, and maybe today is the day of your salvation. And my encouragement to you is don't wait any longer. We are not promised this afternoon even. Believe in Jesus Christ. What are you waiting for? There you go, right? waiting what are you waiting for (laughs) right there's an urgent patience here the delay peter tells us is meant to lead men and women to repentance we shouldn't mistake the delay as a reason to doubt but instead we should understand the delay as an opportunity for our loved ones to come to know christ when you wake up in the morning and we find ourselves still here in this world, on, this, on God's green earth here, when we wake up and we find ourselves still anticipating and waiting Christ's return, my encouragement to you is this. Take advantage of today. Share the gospel with someone. Participate in God's great plan of redemption. So Peter says, right, he's telling us to be thankful for the waiting. And then we go on here, all right, and I think, I think, right, I mean, there's so much here, not, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, right? This attitude, this, this perspective, right, we, we get a glimpse of God's heart here. And this indeed should be, this should inform our perspective toward those who are far from Jesus Christ. Next, then finally, the third point is this. Is the promise of the day of the Lord, Okay. again, the question is this, right? What are we waiting for? We're waiting for the fulfillment of Jesus Christ, the promise of his return. We have his promised word here, right? We've been given the promise of his patience. We, so now we understand, okay, aha, I get it, right? This is why we're waiting, so that more people will come to know Jesus. I get it now. And now he tells us the promise of the day of the Lord. In other words, here's what Peter is telling us. Peter is saying that there is indeed a, a, a time when that door of opportunity will close. And we see it here in verses 10 through 13. Go ahead and follow along with me. As I read it says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Okay, this is what he says. God is patient, but there will be a day, there will be a time when the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. And since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Ah, he says you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. The day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. See, in, in verse 10, Peter now declares with certainty that the day of the Lord is coming. And it will come. Peter's reference to the door to the day. And again, he's tying all of this together with the promise of God's word, okay? God spoke it into being. We see the fulfillment of Jesus Christ and the Christ child there, the fulfillment of all those prophecies. And in the same way that we believe that to be to be true, we believe that the day that Jesus will one day return. And he refers to this phrase titled called the day of the Lord. That's a, that's, I'll call that, that's like a pregnant phrase, okay? There's a lot. To that, it, it encompasses a period of time, I believe, and not necessarily just a single day. Right? I, I think of how we use the phrase, right? Some of those of us who live in a different day, right? The, the classic folks, as Bill Clark told me to refer to the old people, uh, the classic folks, right? we, we say things like this: Well, back in my what? day. Right? Now did, Are you referring back to one specific day? No? You're referring back to a season of life, right? Well, back in my day, we actually, you know, had to walk to school, right? Or three miles, two foot deep, and what? It was uphill. Both ways, right? We say things like that. And so as we think about, as he says, but the day of the Lord, I think we have to, right, we have to think in those lines with that perspective. He's not speaking of, of necessary, and again, there will be a specific period of time, a, a day when this will commence, but it's describing a, a season, a period of time that in, incorporates various events, and it's during this period of time, that day of the Lord, Peter says it's going to come like a thief. It's going to come in an unexpected way. I doubt any thieves have ever actually informed you that the night they were going to come and break into your car. Right? I mean, they, they don't give us that memo, do they? Right? The, the fraud guy doesn't call you up and say, hey, just wanted to let you know I'm about to steal your credit card number. Go ahead and lock it down so I can't get anything. No, they, it's like a thief. God's not a thief, but he says it's like an unannounced guest, visitor, where it will come. And then he goes on and describes some of these events where, where God's judgment will be dealt out says the heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. The day of the Lord for the non-believer is a is to be feared if you refuse to trust in Jesus Christ. Paul in Acts 17 said that in the past God overlooked such ignorance to him. Or those who maybe shake their fist at the Lord or rebel against him. But then Paul goes on in Acts 17. It says, but, but God commands all people everywhere to repent. Paul continues, he says in, in chapter 17, he says, For God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed he has given proof of this to everyone by raising Him from the dead. So there, Paul in Acts chapter 17 tells us how do we, how, how, where is the certainty that judgment is coming? Well, because we see the victory of Jesus Christ there over the tomb. The certainty of Jesus' resurrection informs the certainty of the day of the Lord that is to come. So again, we have this understanding. We live in this season. And I wonder, if you've not follow, if you're not following Jesus Christ, make today that day of salvation. Earlier this week, um, I was asked to demand the gate or to stand at the, the um, right, we're, basketball game. Our children were playing basketball and they needed someone to take money at uh, one of our, at Sterling's game, I believe it was, or basketball game. I said, yeah, sure. And they said, it's easy, right? You collect money up to this point and then when the, when the final game starts, you shut the thing down and you leave and you, and you stop collecting the money. I thought, well, that's great. But here, like, I I am such a cheapskate, okay, I will fully admit it, I'm always looking for a deal, and I'm always looking for a way to save money, and sometimes I do that for other people, so I'm not, I'm really not a good guy to collect money at the gate, (laughs) because I'm like, you know, you can get in, but there, I was given this responsibility, so I had to do it diligently, but yet in my mind, right, here's what I'm, here's what I'm thinking, okay, I'm allowed to close this down when the final game starts. If someone comes up and there's like 30 seconds left, right, what am I probably going to do? I'm probably going to say, hey, listen, let me give you a secret. If you go stand over there and wait a minute, I'm going to go ahead and shut this thing down, and I'm going to pick up the chair, take the sign, and I'm going to walk away, and you're going to get in scot-free, right? How's that sound? Or I could have been like, hey, for half price, I'll give you some insider information, you know, and I'll pocket the app. No, I, I wouldn't, shouldn't do that, but, but you understand, right? There's this temptation right inside there, but there's just this, this moment in time, it's kind of reverse in that situation. There's that moment in time where, where I close the cash box and inside my heart, I'm wanting to tell this person, it's gonna be free really soon. <laughs> Just give me a minute. And yet, in thinking about that, I wondered, do I have the same intensity, that same desire to tell people, right now, it's free. But there's a time when that door of opportunity will shut. (laughs) Get in now. That's what Peter is reminding the people. So this is a, not only is this hope filled for us, but it also motivates us in sharing the gospel. And even just a few thoughts, right? What are we waiting for? Right? Certainly we see the justice and, and we see God's judgment, but we also understand that through that he is recreating, he is recreating, he's making things new again. Then you might say, well, what, how could that be? Is that really going to happen? And again, Peter, when he refers to the water there earlier in this chapter, he's he's most likely referring back to the great flood of the book of Genesis. And he's using that as an example because they they understood the certainty of that. And he's saying, in in, in a similar way, right, we remember that God judged the world and he destroyed the world with water in that day. And it was then, things sprouted up again and and in a sense it was made new again, right? And in a similar way, There's a judgment that's going to come on the world, but we can look forward to the fact that it will be made new again. But also, right, in in all of this, we're waiting Christ's return. We're waiting when he will come as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, We are waiting for the resurrection of our bodies, uh, that our physical nature is certainly part of who we are and there will be a physical nature of eternity. Right? Needless to say, our physical bodies—our physical bodies, our, our bodies now—are only but a hint of the physical bodies that we will one day share for all eternity. Right? How many of you woke up with some more aches and pains this week? How many of you are afraid of getting sick? How many of you have received a difficult diagnosis from the doctor? If you believe in Jesus Christ, that is not forever. As well, we are reminded we're awaiting the renewal of the heavens and the new earth. We'll dwell for all eternity within the new Eden and the new Jerusalem. Church, when it comes to our eternal dwelling on the new heavens and and the new earth, Let's be reminded that, it will be, that the earth will be a restored and perfected version of our familiar bodies, the familiar earth. We will have relationships that in that day we will dwell within these resurrected bodies that we are promised. In that day we will know that we have finally arrived home experiencing all the comforts of that eternal home that we long for. We'll live in a world that retains all that is good. We'll live in a world there will be time and space, but it will go on for all eternity. We'll find joy and purpose in work. You'll no longer dread Monday mornings. Can I get a witness for that for some of us, right? We'll spend eternity growing in our knowledge and our love of the Lord. We'll continually be fascinated And in awe of God's new creation, I believe that there will be animals there that are beyond our imagination. That even the authors of storybooks, their creativity can't even touch. And that our holy desires will continually be fulfilled by that which is wonderful. And that most importantly, we will be there present with our Savior, Jesus Christ, And we we will find ourselves completely satisfied in Him. See, Peter is helping point them. He's reminding them. Why? Because we are waiting. waiting. And we're waiting. And we're waiting. And we're waiting some more. In fact, that hymn that we often sing, Joy to the World encourage you, go home this afternoon and read the lyrics, right? Maybe for all your life, you have sung that hymn thinking it's about that first Christmas. Joy to the world, that song that we sing during this Advent season is not about the first coming of Christ. It is about the second coming of Christ. Maybe this Christmas, um, a lot of us, right, especially you kids, right? I know you kids, I'm about done, children, so just hang with me, all right? Right? But you kids, right? you know, our uh, Sterling made this paper chain in our house, and so she's taking off, you know, one of these links each day as we anticipate and wait for Christmas, right? There's an excitement as we lead up to Christmas, but maybe some of you uh, in here uh, this morning, you are going into this Christmas with... With deep heartache. And maybe. uh, You are okay with Christmas. Coming at a very slow pace. Because maybe even to some extent. You are dreading that Christmas. I even think of Marilyn here. Who lost her husband this year. Her first Christmas. Without her husband. Others of you. Who have received. uh, Doctors diagnosis and this is a hard season right now where's the hope in our waiting our hope in the waiting is is in looking even further ahead looking and understanding that that Jesus his second return is coming and that we can know That all of the heartache of this Christmas season that you might be experiencing will one day be relieved. And we long for that day. We want Jesus to return. But church, let us not mistake our need to share the gospel with other people. Would you close with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we do pray. Come, Lord Jesus. Father, that's uh, that's the longing that many of us have. At the same time, Lord, I know there are many here who are hesitant to pray that because of loved ones who do not know you. Father, in this time right now, I just ask, Lord, that you would help us to be bold in our witness, God, increase our desire, increase our passion. God, increase our activity in telling people about You. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would hear these words that You've given to us through Peter and that it indeed would wake us up. Oh God, what are we living for? Wake us up to that. And God, I pray, Lord, that these truths also would serve as a comfort to those who find themselves going into this Christmas season with heavy hearts. Hearts that are weighed down in ways that they've never experienced. And Lord, I pray that they would know the presence of your spirit Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the reminder of Jesus' soon return. And I pray this in His name. Amen.